1: This is A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome,
0: welcome. Good morning, good evening, good night. I have no idea to what time it is because this is a podcast and you're listening to this whenever. Today we have an amazing guest. This is something that is so fascinating to me. His name is Mr. Alvin Koh and he is, although Singaporean, a traditional Japanese carpenter. Before we started talking, you started saying, well, carpentry has a lot of definitions. And I said, stop. We got to hear this. We got to hear this together. Mm -hmm. So how does carpentry, working with wood, have a lot of different definitions?
1: Well, in general, uh, carpentry refers to a person who works with wood in Japan, uh, wood is the primary building material over there, so there's lots of uh, subcategories if you wish about carpenters. We have the we have cabinet makers, people who do a what they call furniture. Sashimono, sashimono shi. They are sashimon, the, the masters of furniture. There's the there's the there's the Shrine builders, mm-hmm. the miya daiku, and they are the they are considered the, the epitome of of uh, carpenters, top of the class. Right. Uh, they are the tea house builders, the sukiyashi. Each 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 type
0: of carpentry has its own name, rather than shrine. Like in English, we'd say shrine carpenter. Cabinet carpenter, tea house carpenter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yet in ja- in Japan, each carpenter is its own full word. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that. So that really means how specialized each different type of Japanese carpentry is. Yes. That's um uh, that's fascinating. Uh, because in you know in English we just think you are a blank kind of blank, a blank kind uh-huh. of blank. Mm-hmm. But to have the psychology of it where like, no, 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 this is my specific career and is different than his career, it just makes the whole realm completely, uh, completely separate because the mentality is different because you've got a different mindset. You're like, no, I just do Shinto shrines, right?
1: Yes, yes. So And, and along with each uh, specialty, uh, they have their own specialized tools. Uh, the Miyadaiku, which is the shrine builder? He mm-hmm. typically has a repertoire of 180 tools. 180 what different tools. What I brought tools. today in my toolbox yep. is just a small fraction of what a, a, a traditional Mia daiku uh, has in his repertoire.
0: And is that the is that the school or the discipline in which you're the most well versed? The shrine building school.
1: Uh, I was trained by a shrine builder. You
0: were, you yeah, were.
1: Yeah, but but my specialty is is really in furniture. Okay. And that's, that's where my, my passion lies.
0: So you're using the shrine building techniques to craft furniture.
1: Sort of, yes. Yeah, yes. that's
0: amazing. So what, what Alvin has uh, brought is um, this incredibly elegant wooden box filled with wooden and steel uh, saws and tools that... To me, to my Western eyes, my brother is a general contractor, right? Mm -hmm, He mm -hmm. builds kitchens and decks and roofs, and everything is power. You know, power drill, power saw, uh, nail guns. In Uh fact, sometimes they don't even use nail guns anymore. They use epoxies. They'll glue a whole... He'll glue a whole building together with a super strong epoxy. Um, So how ancient... Just looking at these tools, they look... I, I'm, I'm not going to use the word primitive because correct. that's not correct because they are incredibly elegant. I'm looking at them and they're incredibly elegant. Um, how ancient is this art? And if it didn't stop, evolve, it, it, does it continually evolve but if it doesn't when does the when did it, when did the foundation get formed is this in 1500 in 1300 in 1200 when when did it reach its pinnacle of its art unless it is still currently evolving
1: right I, I can't put i can't really put a date to it but the origins of of japanese carpentry actually uh, came from china okay so it traveled from china okay I went to japan and you can see some similarities in the, in, in the kinds of tools that they use. But in Japan, it has evolved to um, a new form of its own. Mm-hmm. A new form of its own. Uh, and we are talking, we are talking about... Warring periods in, in China. Okay, yep. Warring periods where, where everybody fought with knives and spears. Right. That kind, of, that kind of period.
0: That was when it came over from China. Yes. But yes. as it stayed in one way in China, it evolved in its own branch in Japan.
1: Yes. So in Japan, because carpentry uh, had its own set of uh, challenges and, and issues to, to overcome there, uh, Japan is very, very earthquake Um, Prone Right Right So the use of Of joineries The use of wood Against wood um, No metal No nails No screws
0: No metal No no nails No screws Just joints
1: So wood holds better with wood Uh huh There's a better uh, Surface to surface retention Uh huh Wood and wood Mm -hmm. As opposed to metal and wood Right So by using the joint by by using the traditional japanese joinery wood to wood no nails no screws buildings are better able to withstand the tremors and, and and movement right which is one of the famed characteristics of
0: the right. the ancient shinto shrines you exactly. know um i remember seeing a documentary once and i also read a book called a year in the life of a shinto shrine and it it, it illustrated you know how uh, this I'm going to use my terminology, and I want you to help me out with it, but you know, you'd know, you have this Tetris-piece-like stack of joints at mm-hmm, the top mm-hmm, that hold the exactly. roof up. Exactly. So while, and I remember in the documentary, they built a simulation, and while the base was moving, uh-huh. the roof uh-huh. just stayed completely still because these 7 to 12 joints... Uh-huh. Absorbed each, and right. so a ceiling would never collapse right. despite suffering and the, you you the, the, 'd read that these these shrines have probably suffered one thousand you know seven magnitude earthquakes, right. and not yes. a thing has happened to them yes. explain explain those intricate joints that are made of like ten different pieces and how and how they resonate and disperse the uh, the forces of the earthquakes?
1: So they act like uh, shock absorbers. Mm-hmm. They act like shock absorbers. So instead of, having, instead of having a single piece, a single rigid piece, mm-hmm. that would depend on the tensile strength of the material itself, right. like wood is a little bit tensile, uh, it can bend a little bit, uh, metal hardly bends, uh, construction metal hardly bends. So, instead of, so so on one spectrum, we have the construction metal, which hardly bends. In the middle, we have a piece of wood, which bends a little. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, we have many pieces of wood put together that can bend more. Right Than the wood So it acts like a suspension It acts like a shock absorber
0: Aha So the articulation of each piece Dissipates all the forces Yes, exactly Um, Exactly What 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 are some of the benefits, other than, you know, this uh, being able to dissipate earthquake uh, strength, but like, it, is it, does it take longer to build something in a Japanese traditional style than, say, a Western one, where you are using these epoxies and these nails? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's the benefits and fallbacks of each sort of Western versus Eastern practice?
1: Right. Uh, of course, each has its own uh, uh, positives and mm-hmm. negatives. So for I will just talk about the Japanese one. Sure, please. For, so if you're using wood, uh, it, is a, it is a living material. Um, it absorbs the shock, uh, but it is very susceptible to fire.
0: Well, of course, yeah.
1: Yeah, very very susceptible. So actually, I've brought a, a joint today.
0: Sure, let's look at the that, joint
1: uh, that I would like you to to look at it. So in in Western in Western. Carpentry.
0: I'd have a nail right there. He has brought this uh, T-joint, and to the best of me looking at it, I have absolutely no idea how it's put together because I'm looking at the top of the T where it crosses, and I am assuming, well, I would put a nail there, so there's got to be some sort of joint in there.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's no glue here. This joint is reversible. You can open it you can unlock it, and you can lock it again. What? So How? Try. Try. Okay, okay, okay. So I've
0: got this T-joint. This is, by the way, immensely solid. Like, I could, I could clobber someone <laughs> with this thing, and it does not shake or vibrate at all, and is made without glue, without nails, and it is a reversible joint, and I'm going to try to undo it right now by twisting it or sliding it. Oh, whoa. Oh, my God. This is Awesome. Okay, so inside the joint, inside the, t- the cross of the T is a trough. And the trough has a wide square opening that slides to the left with a keystone-shaped opening. And the, the cr- staff of the T, the tall part of the T, has this tiny, elegant keystone about the size of a thumb. So you insert it into the larger square... And then push it in to the smaller square, and it just fits oh i didn 't even do it all the way, and it just locks. This is absolutely spectacular. Be sure to look at uh, while this airs. be sure to look at my Instagram and alvin 's Instagram on a close up of these uh, these joints, because this is so this is so cool. so everything 's built like this.
1: Yeah, so what this does the idea behind this <clears throat> is that it uses. The natural, uh, the natural qualities of wood mm-hmm. and geometry. Right. So what you see here, the keystone, uh, this, uh, we call this a, a dovetail. Yeah. So because it resembles the tail of a dove. Ah, okay. Yeah, dovetail joint. I've heard that before. Yeah. I didn't really know what one
0: was, but now I do.
1: So because of, because of the shape, because of the geometry, it locks the, the entire joint into place. Right. So a joint like this typically would be able you would let, let me put it this way if you had made this t joint right. with with, uh, with 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 a nail or, or a screw and you clubbed somebody you could, this would probably break right. at the end of it but this would would not if it was joined this way
0: right because the two pieces of wood are now interlocked alongside with their grain in the proper directions. Whereas if I put a nail in the top of this T joint with just some leverage, I'd be able to pop it off and just some other leverage, I'd be able to spin it at the top of the T because there's nothing directional about a nail. Unless there are two nails, but still the two nails still wouldn't resist uh, leverage from below, would they? Exactly. Uh, that, is, that is fascinating. And of course, looking at it, you can, um, you can see you know uh, the staff of the T has the grain moving in one direction, and that is the part that holds the keystone, mm-hmm. and the cross of the T has the grain moving the other direction, and that's the part that holds the trough to fit the keystone. Exactly. So each of them are working on the strength of the grain. Yes. Wow. This is so cool. This is, uh, you, you're, you're going to have to look at these pictures because this is absolutely amazing.
1: Okay.
0: So everything is built like this, from buildings to furniture to chairs.
1: More or less, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, y- you do use, you know, little intricate uh, joints in like Western joinery, like where the chairs are joined together. And sometimes if you see a really elegant chair, you'll see the, the, the joints are exposed and right. it sort of works in the mm-hmm. same way. Mm-hmm. But you never see this in the large scale of things along the size size of buildings or, mm-hmm. or, or or homes or anything like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what is there any is there any people out there modernizing these Japanese techniques in like a Western practice? Uh,
1: I guess modern day modern day carpenters. Mm-hmm. We we have to evolve. Right, we have to evolve. Uh, Traditionally, traditionally, the Japanese considered considered joints like this in in the house in the interior of the house mm-hmm. uh, unsightly. Oh, like if you if you see the end grain of a joint, uh-huh. and it, it's kind of frowned upon as as something that is. Uh, uh, maybe a little bit inferior than, than a joint where you don't see any grain at all. And, and it leaves you to wonder, how, did it, how is this being stuck together?
0: So when you were a, a young apprentice or you started to get into this craft, was that the sort of wonder you approached it with? Like, how is this done? It's almost got like, it's, like a, it's, not, it's not quite magic, but it's a mystery. Like, how do you unlock this how does it get back together again? Uh, walk us through, you know, what drew you to this ancient practice and, and how one excels at it and exceeds expectations and grows within it, especially being that you are Singaporean and not Japanese. Is it closed mm-hmm. to outsiders? Or, I don't know, just tell me the story.
1: So I, I, I've always liked to meddle around, make things uh try to take things apart when I was young and put them back together again figure out how how things work and um i just started with with uh it, it was a very simple i i need to make a box for for something in the house there was some wood lying around and i just started to you know Try and, try and, try and uh, put together a box. Right. And, and, and then, uh, so I used nails and screws, and, and after a while, uh, it, it, it fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> so there must be a way. I was thinking to myself, there must be a way, a better way of doing this. And I, I looked uh, across the internet and just stumbled upon Japanese uh, carpentry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, it was the philosophy behind Japanese carpentry that most uh, that the most intriguing tool that I found most intriguing.
0: So you're young and you're attracted to both the craft, but attracted to the philosophy. What attracted you? What is the philosophy of the Japanese carpenter, and why? And why did it attract you as as a younger person?
1: So in in Japanese philosophy, the the treatment of wood is uh, is very sacred. It they treat it as something that's living. There's mm-hmm. something that has a life. Uh, that every piece is different, and that you should uh, bring out the best in in what you have readily uh, available around you, instead of say importing something from 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 overseas. Right. So, um, wabi sabi comes into play as well. Uh, Wabi sabi is a philosophy whereby whereby the beauty of things are, come from the use the usage. Mm-hmm. So so um, so back to the Japanese philosophy of of, of carpentry uh, using natural materials as much as possible. That was a very 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 interesting to me and and that that's what drew me to
0: and readily available materials too not not going to if you can't find what you don't need if you can't find what you need you better make do with what you have so you make the
1: best of it and
0: make the best of it make the absolute best of it so you've got it you've got to have some mental gymnastics all the time saying if only i had this and you say No, I don't have this, Mm -hmm. so I have to make it work with what I have. Mm -hmm. Very economical.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and back in the days where where Japan was uh, not so developed, uh, they really had to make do with whatever that that they have. So uh, and in there's an art form today called kintsugi, Mm -hmm. where where they they repair uh, porcelain. Bowls and, and, and cups with, with, the, with the gold. With the
0: gold, right? Yeah. And it enhances the beauty of it because...
1: Exactly. But it came out because when you broke a porcelain bowl you had to repair it.
0: Because there were no others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, I... I so I'm, it's
1: now an art form. It's just like carpentry in, 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 in Japan. It's an art form.
0: I mean, I guess this stems. Japan is an island nation. for uh, f- For centuries... Japan willed itself into isolation, so they couldn't send a ship over to Korea to bring some more wood over, or they couldn't send tradesmen over to... Well, they they just didn't, because they were they were willfully isolationist uh, for, you know, basically, what? For Fujiwara, Kamakura, Ashikaga, Tokugawa. Uh... T- what, uh, 15, 1517 to 1876, or something like that, right? When the Meiji, Meiji Restoration is 1867, I think it is, or 1868. Meiji Restoration, I think, is 1868. Yeah, three centuries, Japan is completely isolated. So, yes, you got to make do with what you have. So, if you break the porcelain, you better fix the porcelain. Um, that's, oh, that's so fascinating. And, and the economy... Of, of motion and the economy of material still permeates the trade to this day
1: so when I started uh, I read voraciously whatever that I could get my hands on mm-hmm. from the library from the internet uh, from all sources and and but there was only so much that I could uh, achieve uh, I started looking for, for apprentice, uh, apprenticeships in Japan, mm-hmm. and frankly speaking, if you're, if you're not there, it's very hard to get a master send him an email and say, "I mm. want to be your apprentice <laughs> for three months." <laughs> He's probably not going to read your email at, at all you know? I mean who are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so So short of that right. so, so short of that. Um, so I was still in that frame of mind that I want to go, but uh, I've got my family here. I've got commitments here. And, and there was an opportunity that just popped up. That just popped up. Yeah. Uh, f- first of its kind, the Suikoshi International Craft School
0: uh, okay.
1: in Kyoto, opened by my sensei. So
0: Your sensei opened a craft school?
1: International craft
0: school. Th- th- for, so the first time... People are allowed in English. In English,
1: conducted in English. Wow. Yes.
0: Oh, wow. Um, say the name of the school again, so everyone can look it up.
1: It's uh, Sui Koshia International Craft School.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, so, tell me about your sensei and his school, and what drew him to um, drew him to want to bring Western audiences, or at least English speaking audiences, to the craft.
1: Right. So, uh, so when I saw the the when I got to learn about the school, it wasn't even set up yet. But uh, I, I straight away, without thinking, I, I just, I knew I had to get there. Mm-hmm. And I enrolled myself. I was the first student. Ah, yeah. amazing. amazing, congratulations. Amazing. <laughs> so um, uh, sensei, he, he reserved one of the beams outside of the the main door of the school uh, for me. Is that uh, when he asked me to write my name because he, he wanted to honor me as, as, as a first student. So it was really, really, really amazing. So Sensei, he, is, he used to be a, a Miyadaiku. He used to be, build shrines. Right. And in, in true Japanese spirit, you always strive to better yourself. This is the spirit of the shokunin.
0: What is Shokunin?
1: Shokunin is a person who devotes his whole life to a craft. Right. Uh, Everything around his life revolves around his craft. Right. The betterment of his craft. Right. Uh, It's not an economic decision. It's just a spirit where I just want to do the best. And I know that there is always a higher level.
0: Right. Like
1: so even at the age of 80...
0: It's like you've seen the uh, documentary on Hiro and his sushi restaurant, right? Exactly. Yes, and there he is at 80, still wanting to make the best sushi on exactly. earth. Yeah. And there's his son at 60, and he's still like, you're yeah. not good enough. Yeah. Uh, th- that's got to be a really hard... That's the uh,
1: one that President Obama visited,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be a really hard philosophy to inject yourself into because, like, me, my philosophy is like, eh, I'm good enough. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Um, so, so you've got to have immense drive to be like, I can, I, I, I have not mastered this, I, I'm not even close. But to the outsider, well, I'm like, well, you've mastered that because I don't know how that's done, and you're like, nah, not even close,
1: yeah. So so in that spirit, he felt that he felt that he could do better by bringing the knowledge of Japanese carpentry mm-hmm. to give it to the rest of the world. Okay, because there were there, there was a lot of interest. There are a lot of uh, interest from all over the world to to learn about Japanese carpentry, and and in the same predicament as me, it's so hard to get into.
0: Right, so there's Without clearly...
1: going there, yeah.
0: Right, so there's clearly both an interest from... The, maybe there was an interest to externalize it, but there's clearly an interest from the outside world to want to get in, and there's your sensei who he, he said, no, people should be able to learn this. This will this, enrich everyone's experience, and uh, it's enriching ours already. Um, so you've shown up. You're the first one... You're a spirited amateur learning here by the internet and by reading books, and now you show up, you write your name on the, the main plank of the door. Now what?
1: So what I picked up along there uh, were pretty basic, but to them, it's pretty basic. Right. To us, to me, it's eye-opener. Right. It's, it's a big eye-opener. Uh, Let me give you an example. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So when we do joints uh, like the one that I showed you, Mm -hmm. we use a a pencil to mark a line on on the wood. Right. Right? And we say, right, now you saw along this line or you saw to the left of this line or to the right of this line or on the line. And then you make a, a, a saw cut here, a chisel cut here. You form the shape. And you lock it in place. Yeah. Yeah? But what I learned there is that a pencil line is too thick. What? Too thick. Now, think about it. In, in, in a joint like this, right? The, uh, the... How they would test a joint like this to see if it was tight. Uh-huh they would put a piece of paper between the two pieces of wood where the, where the horizontal and the vertical meet. Yes. And if you could slide a piece of paper in there...
0: It's not good enough.
1: It's a little good.
0: Oh, it's a, li- <laughs> <laughs> it's a little... good, yeah, yeah.
1: So the Japanese are very polite people. Yeah? Yeah. So it's a little good. Right, yeah. right. If you couldn't slide a, a piece of paper in there...
0: It's better, good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like nuances like this, right? Yeah. So, so, I so that when
0: you when uh-huh. you draw with a pencil, the line created by the pencil is not precise enough to measure how precise your chisel cut and your saw cut must be. Is that uh-huh. what you're trying to say? Yes. Yeah.
1: So I learned that a pencil line can be divided into two. Oh, isn't that? Um, <laughs> that was I was just
0: mind blowing to me. The, down the breadth of its line, not across it, obviously. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Okay. How, mentally, I'm trying to figure out how do you divide one line down its span into two.
1: So this goes down to the precision of the Japanese tools. Okay. That, uh, that we hardly see in other cultures. Right. That in other forms of woodworking. Uh, Japanese tools. In any given era, now this uh, this was dating back to the birth of uh, of metal. Right. The use of metal in in any industry, Japanese tools have been given the highest standard of uh, metal making in any given era. Right, so like the famed
0: the of the folded steel samurai sword that exactly. everyone knows about. Yeah,
1: exactly. So same makers, same makers. When, in fact, the, the, the sword makers, the samurai sword makers, mm-hmm. when, I think it was the Meiji, Meiji dynasty, but uh, at some point, swords were not allowed. Right. And a lot of these sword makers, they, they moved their business to making Japanese tools. Aha. Uh-huh. Carpentry tools.
0: And so they took that precision and care and excellent metallurgy. Shoppers, yes. Yeah.
1: So in order to dissect... Uh, Zero point three mm millimeter uh, pencil line. Right. That's you would need a tool that is superbly razor sharp. Right. Right. And and in there, it also lies uh, an irony. In order to be super super sharp, you have to be super super small, super yeah. super razor thin.
0: Yeah. And thus super super delicate
1: yeah, so this goes down to the strength of the bonds uh, within within the metal right, yeah yeah, so if the bonds were weak if the if the molecules were big, then upon you you could make it really 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 <laughs> thin, but if you strike it one time it. It will, it would just chip away.
0: Oh my God! So it's like down to like individual bonds of individual like iron atoms, and that that's how delicately they and and precisely they hammer and fold and yes. create the and create the steel. Yeah.
1: So through constant hammering, the molecules get smaller and smaller, and and at. At the, just the right temperature. Now, mm-hmm. you must remember the spirit of shokunin. These this metalsmiths, they're all shokunins in their own right. Right. Their fathers were, were doing the same thing. Their, their forefathers were doing the same thing.
0: But so, how can I do this better?
1: Yes, yes. And, and that's the spirit in, 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 in Japan that uh, what I was telling you about, that, uh, that could be uh sent out to the rest of the world. How can I do this better and better and better and better and better?
0: Right, right. right.
1: So I I have here
0: Okay, let's look at this. We've got a uh, a nice a nice pretty piece of paper and inside of it we have what look like little egg rolls, but they're about the size of the top knuckle of your finger. But it is is this is this wood shaving
1: yes it is
0: this is oh my god
1: so these are wood shavings
0: how this is wood shaving that is absolutely you can actually hear it it is absolutely paper thin it's like it has the texture feel and look almost of like rice paper but it's actually wood what kind of tree is this from
1: this is from pine.
0: This is from pine. A
1: typical softwood.
0: Wow. This is... So, is this indicative of how precise the Japanese chisel is, that you can just make this happen?
1: Right. So, this is a shaving from a Japanese plane, like what I'm
0: holding up. Ah, plane. Right yes. Uh, y- everyone knows what a plane is. They're, uh, you know, you basically get on top of it, and you shave from the top down, and... Uh,
1: yeah. So... Uh, so the shavings are yeah. an indication of how precise a carpenter needs to be.
0: Uh, this is this is unreal. I mean this is this is nearly translucent. I c- you can nearly see through it. It's like it, it must be molecules thick, but it's wood. And it it smells of wood feels of paper but you can notice immediately that it is made of wood and it was just a single stroke of one of these japanese planes
1: exactly they have uh, carpenter competitions uh in japan uh-huh the winning the winning entry typically is seven microns thick seven microns <laughs>
0: okay what's a human hair in microns i don't know
1: I think it's something like one point five if I'm not wrong. Yeah, well let's Google one, it. human hair and microns. Sorry, fifteen microns if I'm not wrong.
0: A human hair is a human hair is seventy-five microns across, a red blood cell is five microns across, and you said the winning competitor does seven microns?
1: Mind blowing, isn't it?
0: It's, it is <laughs> it, okay. So he can he can utilize his Japanese plane to create a shaving, a consistent shaving of one piece. What is this? This is roughly a foot long, something like that.
1: Ah, uh, they do uh, like six foot, seven foot, foot
0: long. <laughs> and, and 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 the and the width of a red blood cell. Yeah, may I see the plane?
1: Okay, you got to be careful I right.
0: will. I will. Yes. So, for those of you who are unfamiliar with planes, you know they're usually the things that you use to turn a round board. Uh, you know, well, not turn a round board, but turn a turn a lo- turn a log from a round to a square, um, or at least in the finer. Actually, you'd probably in Western carpentry you use it in ads, right? To, but it's it basically looks like there is a Gillette razor, and this has what kind of. This has some extreme weight. Oh, so here's where the weight comes from, and that's how it works. This is absolutely phenomenal, and it just goes straight through. Uh, again, look on, uh, look on the Instagram for a picture of this absolutely elegant plane, and this is not, this is not light. This feels to be like three or four pounds.
1: So I'm, I'm going to take it apart.
0: You're going to take the plane apart.
1: Yes. Excellent. And, uh, and I will show you the the blade.
0: Yep. Uh, Alvin has pulled out a very cool looking hammer, and he is. That's even amazing itself. the The tool itself is held together without screws or bolts or anything.
1: So this is the Japanese style mm-hmm. of blade.
0: Yep. So it is a single metal piece, roughly the size of the palm of your hand. It weighs about a pound, a pound and a half. And at the end is, I, I can't even describe how precise this point it comes to. Um, And it's it's so cool because it's like, the raw metal of the top which is emblazoned with some japanese characters what does it say on the uh on the top
1: it gives you uh, information about the maker uh-huh. and and the, and what he has named this particular blade
0: oh it has a name yes. what is it named so
1: this is uh, shadow
0: shadow this is absolutely amazing um it's it's the raw the emerging from the raw metal is something that can only be described as looking like glass it is just so smooth and so precise this is so amazing and and this is what created those micron thick wood shavings
1: yes Yes. in fact these that i brought you today yep uh was that
0: created with this actual blade yes it is with this shadow made that
1: (laughs) yes oh in japan the this is ordinary
0: <laughs> that
1: what, what I brought today? Yeah, it's ordinary. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. What what they do in like the what the extreme carpenters do is I am probably this is unreal to me. So I can only imagine how really unreal it must be <laughs> to see the 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 absolute thinnest of thin wood shavings. Oh, this is so. You so can see
1: that even even in this in this plane. Yep. Now this plane uh, originated in in China. Mm -hmm. But as I said, it it took on a different form.
0: Because we've got the spirit of constantly improving.
1: Yeah. So in China, remember the blade goes like this? Yep. And what they would do, and it's very similar to all other planes uh, in all other cultures, is that you push the plane in order to create a shaving. Do you pull? In Japan, Japan, it's pull. (sighs) So, So you push the plane. Westerners push. The yes, we push the planes. Yeah, you can exert more force. You can put your entire body weight behind, and, and you exc-
0: pull the plane because you can exert more control. Exactly. Oh my God, that is so. Because I was holding the plane, how I would have hold. I've used planes before. You know, we had a we had a wood shop in my in my in my house, and mm-hmm. me and my brothers would build wooden toys and build bridges and stuff like that. And I held it as if I were to push it. Right. It doesn't push. You pull it back towards you. Right. So you exert better control rather than more force. Yes. Ah,
1: that's... (laughs) And it's so economical because you've got your body behind the plane. Right. You've got control. And you can actually do this for a much longer period of time.
0: Rather than pushing, pushing, pushing.
1: So a lot of Japanese carpenters, they work sitting on the floor. Uh huh. So they, they they have to they have to accommodate. So so tools evolved. So there's this constant evolve, right evolving of, of, of the tools. How they would shape the tools to fit their hands. How how each carpenter's tools are just tuned to his own uh, ergonomics. Yeah. So it's, it's actually considered very rude if you. Touch a carpenter's tools without his permission.
0: Yeah, his, his because tools it's his. his life, right? It's,
1: it's sacred. It, that's that's a spirit. He, he literally worships his tools. This
0: is in, and and you know from a relatively handy family. I mean, my dad would start and then never finish half his construction projects. By the way, I think when we moved out of that house there was, still was no ceiling in the downstairs bathroom, dad. Um <laughs> but uh but and then for my brother to be a, uh, um, a a contractor where time is money. He wants to get that done as quickly as possible to right. move on to the next job. It's everything is flipped. Care is more important than time. Uh you know proper uh properly doing everything is more important than time. And for us, it's time. Get it done, get it done, get it done, move on. Get it done, get it done, get it done, move on. Wow, this is absolutely... So, like, I had a whole list of questions to ask on what we can learn from this and what Westerners can learn and what people listening at home can learn from this. And we just... We we covered it all immediately. Um, And so... You personally, we haven't gone to you personally, what you're working on mm-hmm. and how you've infused all these uh, Japanese, both aesthetics and practices and work regimes into what you're working on. So you said you studied under a Shinto shrine builder, but you are now doing furniture. Mm-hmm. Tell, us, tell us about your own work.
1: Right. Um, I like to build furniture that, that I would describe as uh, heirloom pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because a piece of furniture it op- occupies a very important space in your house, and and by keeping the construction, the construction methods um, to be very rigid to mm-hmm. withstand the test of time, keeping the design of a piece classic, simple, timeless. Uh, that's how you can have uh, a piece of furniture. That will grow with you through the years. Mm-hmm. That you will use. That your your, your kids will use. Um,
0: and their kids will use, hopefully, too.
1: Yeah. So in this in 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 this rapidly consumer world, where we have pieces that uh, furniture that you will buy.
0: Oh, I've been to IKEA. <laughs>
1: and 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 after a few years, yep, uh, you probably replace it. Yep. So I, I I I come from the art, other school of thought that that you should use something. Honour the life of the wood as as it has lived and is is now in a second lease of life in, in, in your house. Right. I like to use reclaimed materials. Okay. Uh wood that used to be that, that used to serve a, a different function. Right. Yeah. So recently I did a piece uh, from reclaimed Chinese Elm. Mm-hmm. That used to be from the beam of uh, old houses in in China. So-,
0: so we definitely do that. So I'm from the northeastern United States. I'm right. from uh, I'm from New York. Uh, from I'm from New York City, but I'm from originally outside of New York. Mm-hmm. And I know to y- you and to Japan. This is going to sound stupid, but there are a lot of homes and barns in my town hometown from like you know. 1780, 1790. Uh That's really... And like my neighbor's house, the kitchen of her house was built in like 1680. That is immensely old... Well, that's immensely old for the United States. I mean, because the Pilgrims landed in 16, uh, 1620, all right? So, like, this is 60 years out, of the, out after the Pilgrims. But we do have a rich tradition in our neck of the woods up in, uh, up in New England and New York of finding those old barns and finding those old growth beams that were hewn mm-hmm. in the early 1800s or the late 1700s and then repurposing them in... But the thing with that is if someone finds a barn that has one of those beams, mm-hmm. those beams will sell for like hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. because we don't have wood that old anymore mm-hmm. and that beam is perfectly seasoned and aged for whatever they might end up be, being use it, used for. Um, did you encounter the same with your Chinese elm boards?
1: Uh, pretty much. yeah. Because, because with, with the, with, with the cities getting bigger and bigger in China, they, a lot of uh, villages have to be relocated, so so there's a lot of this very old wood mm-hmm. uh, that's that's going around. Right. Uh, even in Singapore, where where we, we move out of our old uh, shop houses, mm-hmm. uh, we used to have lots of shop houses in Singapore, and then they were replaced by by bigger and taller buildings. So a lot of this wood is very stable wood, uh, extremely rare to find these days. So but most people, to some it's junk. To right. some it's a treasure.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So you like using this heritage legacy wood and, and this is what you craft your pieces from. Yes. And yes. and um what what kind of furniture are are everything? Tables, chairs, beds, what do we what are what do we do? Uh
1: tables, chairs, shelves, coffee tables, yeah. writing tables. Next in my next in my in my line will be the japanese sliding doors
0: japanese sliding doors yeah the
1: one with the with the with the paper uh-huh, soji, uh-huh. shoji.
0: and still made completely by joints and completely without yes. glue nails yes. or any metal traditional
1: way that that is it, supposed to be
0: Okay, so if someone listening, either here in Singapore or uh, or in the United States or abroad, wherever we're listening to this, um, wanted to find out more about your work and maybe contact you to commission you a piece, where can they where can they get where the uh, I've been talking a while. Where can they get in touch with you?
1: Uh, they can get in touch with me on my Instagram. It's Instagram at uh, Alvin Cole. It's A L V A N K O H, yep.
0: and I followed it too. And by the way, it is fascinating seeing uh, Alvin working in these traditional tools and uh, traditional traditional garments as well. The clothing. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, it, it's this is this has been immensely fascinating. Please go to Alvin's Instagram and Alvin Co thank you so very much this was fantastic my pleasure to be here everyone have a great day thank you planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus